I'm your host Darren and today we're going to be talking about Pretty Man from Rave and to the Joy Fantastic. Uh, the hidden bonus track that is not credited on the back of the album, which um, I feel like maybe the album should have finished before this track. Uh, <laughs> recorded spring 1999 and then the edition of Maceo Parker on the 3rd of June 1999 at Paisley Park. Re- released on the 9th of November 1999. On the track you have Prince, you have Brother Jules doing some scratching. <laughs> you have uh, Kirk A. Johnson. I'm not quite sure why he gets the A on this particular <laughs> credit. And you have Maceo Parker. The track is 4 minutes 23 or if you listen to the slightly longer version that's on Rave into the Joy Fantastic, then it is is five minutes 35 <laughs> joining me to talk about today is zachary hoskins hello zachary hello now in terms of like a genre i feel like this fits safely within the prince pretending to be morris day genre yes yes um, which i I've, <laughs> i'm sort of making into my wheelhouse on this podcast because uh i recently recorded on uh, chlorine bacon skin so i'm trying to trying to cover as many prince pretending to be morris day songs as possible yeah <laughs> and again prince puts on a voice um you know particularly like with the opening line where he basically like almost slurs it <laughs> you know, he's like don't hate me because i'm beautiful i don't know what he was he had in his mouth um but uh, yeah i don't know i'd like you know i i think uh like the interesting thing is that you know prince up until this point he hadn't really done like hidden tracks like mm-hmm. that wasn't like a thing that he did um, from this point on, this is something that he does quite regularly from now on, but he chooses to hide his tracks in different ways. Um, and I think in this case, it's just like a little bit of silence plays and then the song starts up. Um, but on future CDs, he would have like uh, like 54 second tracks mm. and then like the 60th track would be like a bonus track. Um, so it's kind of interesting that, you know, like, you know, this is... Like, this is the the track that Prince chose to, like, hide. Um, you know, and it's worth saying as well, like, the kind of... At this point, you know, obviously CDs dominated the world in 1999. Right. And a lot of albums that came out on CD, they had this habit of... Like, people would hide tracks in different ways. So there were some albums where you had to put the CD in and then you had to select track one and rewind. And then you'd find a hidden track before track one. Mm, um, yeah. And then there were... Yeah, there were a lot more who did it like Prince did, which is, you know, you would have, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of hidden track at the end of the album, but after a period of silence. So, like, the final track would be, like, you know, 25 minutes long, but 10 minutes of that in the middle would just be silence. And then you'd kind of get, like, a bonus song. So you'd have to, like, fast forward to get to the, the, the you know, the hidden track. Right. So there was, a you know, there were a lot of kind of, you know, um, albums where that happened. And in the in the case of some people, like, some of those bonus tracks were, you know... Uh, well, for one example, uh, Robbie Williams, he has like a bonus track at the end of, I think it's his second album. And it's just like him, like reading like a poem about how he was bullied at school. And now, you know, he's successful. So all those people can, you know, and, and it's like, I don't know why that's a bonus track. But obviously, yeah. a thing that was also popular at this time was CD jukeboxes. 
And so if you were in, you know, like a pub and you put on certain tracks, you would do it knowing that when they finished, there was going to be 15 minutes of silence and then a bonus track would suddenly appear. Um, so, you know, that kind of became the bane of, you know, like various kind of publicans because it's like, stop doing this. Like, right. <laughs> like, like I, I remember certain jukeboxes where people would be like, don't put on this track. Yeah. Like, don't put, don't select that track because it's going to end up with like, you know, 15 minutes of silence before the next track plays or something. So, you know, this became a thing, you know, Prince, uh, you know, in on this particular occasion on rave, you know, it's only, um, if I remember, it's only like a brief amount of silence. Mm. Like there's only like 40 seconds or something of silence. Um, and then, you know, um, Actually, I lie because wherever you go, whatever you do has got like eight minutes of silence after it like finishes or something. But the actual track that's before Pretty Man is only 44 seconds. Um, So, you know, there is there is a you do get a gap, basically. Um, Although, interestingly enough, the wherever you go, whatever you do, when it's on Raven 2, it's just it has no silence after it. It's just the actual track. (laughs) Um, So but anyway, you know, like. I think it's just interesting that this is the point where Prince was like, "Okay, let's let's start with the bonus tracks." Right. Um, you know, and it feels like he's kind of late to the game, and also it doesn't feel like this is an essential bonus track. Um, like there are a few bonus tracks that I know that are like people fans, you know, of those particular groups or you know artists are like, well, you know, it's worth kind of waiting the extra like eight minutes to hear the track. In this case, um, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, from my point of view, like I'm not, I'm never a fan of this this weird kind of like Morris Day persona that Prince puts on, <laughs> and this feels a bit too much. Like, I mean, it has an it has an actual chorus, which is you know, if you want to be my baby, you got to tell me so, overconfident mm-hmm. lady, but act like you know, if you want to be my baby, come and take my hand. Tell me you want to get with a pretty man. Like here's here's a question chorus. for for you. Yeah. Do you think that that was borrowed from the Spice Girls? I I don't know. I don't know. Because, like, uh, I mean, I guess, yeah, the Spice Girls would have been around for a few years by now. So, in fact, I think by the time you get to 1999, the Spice Girls are on the verge of breaking up. It gives me a little bit of a a wannabe vibe. Um, I don't want to, you know, I I don't want (laughs) to accuse Prince of of, of plagiarizing. But it it just is sort of, I, I wonder if that was maybe a little nod. That's all. Yeah, well, here is the weirdest thing, of course. You know, for um, for Beautiful Strange, Prince was interviewed. Um, <laughs> right. He was, See? That, now he was this is just fueling my like conspiracy theory. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he had he, he was aware of the Spice Girls, at the very least. Um, enough, enough to the point where he actually chose Mel B as his interviewer. Right. Which is such a, it's such a weird half hour. (laughs) (laughs) People have uploaded it onto YouTube so you can just go and watch it. But Beautiful Strange does describe that entire interview. (laughs) Um, (laughs) because you have Prince who obviously is a notoriously difficult interview anyway. Right. And then you have someone who isn't kind of willing to challenge him. So it's just kind of like half an hour of both of them sitting there saying how great Prince is, um, <laughs> which I guess is the kind of interview that Prince would, you know, would like anyway. Um, so, but yeah, I don't know. Like to, to me, like, you know, this song, like, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm just not like a really big fan of Prince doing this type of thing. Um, you know, so you need to convince me, Zach. I, on the, I, I don't know if I can ever convince you, but I, on the contrary, I'm a big fan of Prince. I, I, and, but you know, the, and I, 
I felt this way when I listened back to our um, to our chlorine bacon skin podcast. Like my uh, my def- I can never give a full throated defense because because everything you're saying is technically accurate. Uh, I think you know. I like the kind of glimpse behind the curtain. Um, so, I mean, first of all, I like the time just in general. So this is sort of like these songs by Prince are sort of like the extra time songs that we never got, you know, after, after pandemonium. Uh, so that's, and it's interesting to kind of hear his process and, and hear, you know, how much uh, the Morris Day's character was really created by by Prince because uh, you can just listen you can listen to movie star on crystal ball um obviously chlorine bacon skin which you know Morris is on that but on the drums and and pretty man and you can just you can hear oh this he had Morris in mind when he wrote this song and you know maybe he called Morris and Morris was like no I don't want to do it and he was like all right I'll do it then I'll do my Morris voice you know so uh there it's just kind of fun, I guess, is, is, is the best, is the best defense I have for it. And I think especially, you know, rave is just not an album that I consider to be, to be fun. <laughs> so, so I really, uh, I, I, I appreciated this song cause it's like, Oh, it's like, it actually sounds like he's cutting loose a little bit. You know, some, so many of the songs on rave onto the joy fantastic are just so kind of dour or like, this is, what he feels like he has to do because he has to make his version of Santana's supernatural, you know, um, this song just feels like, uh, he's cutting loose a little bit. It's cool that Maceo's on it. Uh, the whole, the, the, you know, the James Brown homage. Uh, I, I do like it when Prince, even if he's not necessarily bringing anything new to the table, his James Brown homages are, are, are usually pretty fun. Um, yeah, it, it just feels kind of uh, spontaneous and, uh, and and fun in a way that the rest of the album does not to me. Yeah, I would certainly agree that most of Rave is fairly kind of, you know, stayed. And the, the main thing that kind of kind of irks me about Rave is that pretty much every song opens with the title being sung. And it's like, oh, like, <laughs> right. it's, it's that, like, and after, after the four or five tracks, you're like, every, it's like every single song. It's like, oh my God, like, like d- stop, like stop doing that gimmick for at least one yeah. song. Like try not to open with just the title of the song. It really kind of drives home like how assembly line his songwriting was for, for that album. It's like, all right, let's here's title, get the song out of the way. Get Gwen Stefani in or whoever, you know, Cheryl Crow. <laughs> like, like it, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, I, I really think of Rave as kind of like the low point of, of his, of Prince's career. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's not to say that there's not some fun stuff going on here because, you know, he talks about, you know, everywhere I go, people stop and stare. They just want to see me swing this pretty hair, you know, like, which is weird because at this point, I think this is probably the worst haircut that Prince had, had <laughs> in his career, which I, that sounds, I mean, I like, I don't want to be cruel or anything, but like, it just looked terrible. Like, right. and the, the fact that on the cover, he has like that blue, like, you know, cruelty free wool suit or whatever he's wearing. <laughs> it's just not a good look. The um, braids are, the braids are controversial. I can, I can mm, definitely, uh, I can attest. To yeah. That. 
<laughs> so I don't know why, like that line isn't true. People don't want to see him swing that pretty hair. But like when he, when, like, and the thing is as well, like when he'd had his hair, like earlier in the decade, like when he had his uh, his typhoon, right? Like that was that was hair that you could shave, right? So you know, it's it's weird that he's talking about how you know swing this pretty hair when he has like the least attractive hairstyle that he probably has for his entire career um, <laughs> at that particular time. But I do I do like kind of the the, the when he adds the ad lib. So he has this chorus, and then he's like, you know, the hurry up, you know, and take my hand. Like he's he's just adding little bits into the kind of what is the chorus, um, you know. But uh, and again, he has this kind of thing of like, you know, he walks by the mirror and I kiss it twice, you know, covering perfume, like. You know, I smell myself like the, like the kind of egotism is always really fun. Mm. Also, he says Super Bowl used to be my nickname. So it's like, which is interesting because obviously, you know, this is still about like eight years away from his Super Bowl performance. Right. So, it, you know, it's fun that he kind of man- mentions that there. Um, but yeah. And then, of course, you know, the ending of it is mostly just between him and, you know, him and Macy. Mm. Um, you know, which... Again, like you, like you say, he's not really adding adding anything new other than just doing like a bit of a kind of James Brown impersonation. Yeah, and I think he's probably kind of geeking out, like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm singing with Maceo on sax!" Like, as a big James Brown fan, that has to be like one of the dreams, you know. So, um, but then, and uh, you know, of course, then we kind of finish as as Prince does with these kind of silly songs, where he's like, "Hello, who is this?" <laughs> Yes, this is the pretty man. And then when he hangs up and he literally says princely. And like that's the final that's the final word in this entire album. Prince loved a good phone gag, you know, like Yeah. But I mean either he didn't have luck with like phones, you know, people wouldn't return his calls right. or pick up his you know, the phone when he called, or he would like insist on doing little skits where he's on the phone. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that works better than like texting. Right. You know, and I would say at this point in nineteen ninety nine I had a mobile phone and I was texting people, so mm. Yeah, um, that would have been relevant, but yeah, I don't know. I think the fact that he finishes by saying princely as well, yeah. <laughs> like he's not called prince, and yeah, he's saying the word. Like again, it's this whole name game thing that he likes to play, where he'll insist on saying, you know, asking what his name is. And in this case, obviously, he's chosen a persona. He's you know, he's pretty man. Like you know, he'd also been Mister Happy, right? And you know, like so he he's kind of got away with having these different names while he wasn't you know while he had the symbol. <laughs> but then the fact that he says princely at the end is almost like he's rubbing it in everyone's yeah. face. <laughs> and, and I don't know. I I kind of like that because you know there's very like while he was a symbol, there were very few times where he ever said the word prince. Right. And so I, I always find it funny when he actually bothers to say that word. Right. And I remember um, when this album know. came out, it was kind of a big deal because it, it was obviously released under the symbol, but in the liner notes, it has in big letters "produced by Prince." So you know he was kind of starting to you know, dip his toe in the water as far as bringing his, his old name back. Uh, and I remember yeah. that being kind of a lot of the, a lot of the media interest in this album was, about, was about that more so than, you know, the, the album. So for me, I would say three out of five. I'm not a big fan of this type of stuff as we, as we've established. Right. Um, you know, I still, I still enjoy kind of what Prince is trying to do, but it's like, uh, I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a gigantic fan of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of happy that this is almost like, I think this is kind of the last time that Prince did something like this. I think maybe <laughs> the next time he does something this silly is probably Wedding Feast. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that's only like 50 seconds, so I can kind of live with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I but, wonder, actually, I'm, I, I wonder if uh, Mr. Goodnight was originally going to be one of these kind of Morris Day. Because I, I feel a little bit of that 
Th- that persona kind of comes through a little bit in Mr. Goodnight. Oh, and, and Lolita is a very time-esque song. But yeah, they're definitely they're definitely a lot less plentiful in the last in the last decade or so. Um I I think I I I will give it a I'll give it a four just because I think it, it it's where it belongs. Uh if it was if it was smack in the middle of uh, this might be kind of contradictory because I was saying that I like it better than a lot of what's on rave onto the joy. Fantastic. <laughs> but if this was in the middle of the album, it would be kind of like, what, what was that? What was the point of this? But as kind of a yeah. coda, like a, like a goofy coda to the rest of the album, I think it works very well. So yeah, I'll, I'll give it a four out of five. I mean, it, obviously he also had, you know, Raven to the year 2000, right, you know, that right. was also done at roughly the same time yeah. this album was released. And, you know, then we also, you know, we also had, um, you know, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people kind of knew that Prince's contract, you know, after after the release of The Vault, his actual contract, like the contract that he'd signed was going to finish like at the end of 1999, like the contract that he signed in 1992. Right. In terms of how long it lasted, it was basically finishing at the end of 1999. So, you know, obviously you know people were kind of mindful of the fact of what would he do once his actual contract was done with Warner Brothers um and you know like a year later he changed his name back to Prince <laughs> like so that was kind of expected so i think there was a little bit of that going on as well of like you know it, it, like the fact that he used his name as you know songs written by and produced by Prince it's like well it, does that mean that he's he's going to become prince again right um and and obviously that ended up being correct <laughs> You know, he he was Prince once again after, you know, this this essentially is the final album released um, as symbol, is it not? I think Rainbow Children. Yeah, was, yeah, Rainbow Children was Prince. Unless, yeah. unless you can't rave into the Joy Fantastic right, as right. an album, which, you know, I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then it's also telling, of course, that the next album from like Warner Brothers uh, was released by... Um, my, favorite, my favorite thing in Warner Brothers is the fact that they have a department who's job is just to think of best of compilations yeah. <laughs> and this department has been responsible for i think something like nine best of the smiths <laughs> like they keep they keep reprogramming the list of songs and releasing it with a different cover and like so this particular department is just responsible for compiling best of compilations and so obviously you know the next album technically speaking from prince was the very best of prince which came out you know 31st of july 2001 which was, of course was long after prince had changed his name back you know i i don't know i i, I find it i find it funny that like as soon as he he was prince again warner brothers were like okay he's the very best of prince like they instantly jumped on it <laughs> like they they didn't they didn't hold back they were like oh we've got we've got all the rights to right. these songs let's just start <laughs> let's start releasing them um but yeah so you know the, yeah prince at this point this is the end of like this song effectively marks the end of symbol um you know after this no more symbol yeah yeah <laughs> you know aside from pretty much all over everything that he wears for the next like 20 years <laughs> right and on his you know he when he played the super bowl his stage was a symbol you know um obviously in paisley park the symbol was still in like the you know the the lobby oh, yeah like it's, it's all over like obviously it's still out like his his um cane had a symbol at the top of it like <laughs> the, you know his symbol shaped guitars like with he started using those more than the um you know the, the different clouds so it's like you know, he kind of, even though he dropped the symbol as a name, it was still such a kind of key part of his branding for like, you know, the next like 19 years that it's kind of, it's kind of weird that like, 
I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it, maybe if he'd never changed his name, people would not have known that symbol as much. But at the same time, like once he wasn't the symbol and he was back to Prince, it was still such a key part of his branding. And you know, I know, uh, you know, a handful of people who have who are Prince fans who have that tattoo, you know, the, the <laughs> yeah. tattoo of the symbol. Like it just it just becomes a thing for Prince fans. And uh, and so I, I don't know. I, I find it. I find like that whole name change thing now is kind of seen as like just like a, a weird little folly that Prince did where it's like oh yeah of course he changed his name for six years to an unpronounceable symbol you know it, like it's but at the same time at the you know when when these albums came out it was a big deal to Prince to distinguish between you know something like The Vault which came out you know six months before this album and something from Symbol like he, he was very keen to make it clear that the new music was being released by Symbol and everything else was old music. Right. Um, you know, which of course technically wasn't true because Crystal Ball was full of old music and that was released by Symbol. So even he couldn't kind of keep things clear in his head as to exactly who was releasing what. Right. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I find it interesting as well as like, this is the song that finishes the, this like the Symbol era. And it finishes with him saying the word princely. Right. It's just like, <laughs> you know, it like everything about it is is kind of like it's kind of perfectly prince for him to insist on everyone calling him this symbol and then finish the final song as symbol by saying the word princely. You know, it's it's just it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, prince. Like <laughs> it, it it just seems like it was just always a game. Like you know the name the name change and the fight with Warner's. When you look back, you kind of like, well, it's it was such a weird kind of chapter of his career, like these these kind of six years in the middle of his, like li- literally like smack bang in the middle of his career, right? These six years where he kind of went through this weird kind of change and stuff. So it's like, I, I don't know, you, like I never quite know what to make of like the kind of the symbol period because at the same time I don't feel like the work that came out while he was symbol was the strongest stuff that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you just look at the albums that he put out, like, as symbol, you can kind of look at it and go, well, I don't think the name change really helped yeah. kind of focus him. <laughs> yeah. And it's only really when he kind of reverted back to Prince that you get, like, the more focused material. Like, you get, you know, Rainbow Children, which, you know, top to tail is a, you know, an album that, that has a clear goal, you know, and you kind of get, you, you know, you get stuff like uh, musicology. Mm-hmm. You know, like if it, it feels like once he changed his name back, that kind of gave him the freedom to just be like, "Well, I guess I'm Prince." Right. And right. This is what Prince does. You know. So, well, I feel like we said about as much as we can about Pretty Man, and you know, obviously, I've extensively covered whatever was raving into the Joy Fantastic. <laughs> so uh, it is worth saying that Prince performed this a couple of times live. Um, one of which was a performance on TFI Friday, uh, which is a which at the time was a hugely popular show over here on Channel Four, um, and he also performed Baby Nose, and I I I like vividly recall him playing Baby Nose because I was like, oh my god, it's Prince on TV, like <laughs> like what's going on? Like, and he just kind of showed up to the studios, performed that and Pretty Man, and then left, and then didn't didn't talk to anybody, and just. <laughs> And and it's it's just kind of it's kind of weird. And then he played it, you know, a couple of times in two thousand. But then, you know, as with a lot of stuff from this kind of era, once he became Prince again, he kind of, you know, 
he kind of stopped playing playing this kind of stuff. And then let's go to plug. Okay, so uh, I have a blog where I am also going through Prince's catalog chronologically. It's called Dance, Music, Sex, Romance, and you can find it at the URL princesongs.org. I also, uh, as of this recording, you can still buy my magazine, Dystopian Dance Party, First issue is about Prince. It has a lot of great art and writing from throughout the Prince fan community. I'm really proud of how it came out. You can get that on Blurb. Uh, just search for Dystopian Dance Party. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast, or you can email us, not sure why you would, at PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest here, Zachary. Uh, thank you for having me. And otherwise, Prince Lee. Yeah.